What's up, guys? My name is Albert. Hey, it's John. And welcome again to our second episode of our podcast, Hospital Playlist. Yeah, uh, and today we have a very special guest, someone that you already know. His name is Albert. So we're going to be finding out more about Albert, who he is, what his life has been like, and what he's up to now, basically. Albert, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ask me, ask away. All right, so let's go back to the time when you were just a little tiny boy. Okay. Um, why don't we? Why don't you tell us where you were born, where you were raised, and what your childhood was like? Childhood was like. Okay. So uh, actually, I was not born in Korea, but I was actually born in America, in Pennsylvania, uh, where my dad was getting his PhD, and then I moved. It, it was between California and Las Vegas a lot of my childhood until I was nine. Um, Las Vegas, Nevada, not New Mexico, and then uh, I went to middle school and high school in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then went to college in University of Pittsburgh, and went to dental school in New York City in, in, at NYU, and then now I'm here. All right, cool. So that's pretty much a quick synopsis of your life. Um, all right, so then when you were a child, so it seems like you were moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. um, could you share about what you were like as a kid and whether moving around so frequently, if that had, if that affected you in any way? Uh, to be honest, I think what it was was when I was younger, I think moving around did, uh, moving around a lot actually did affect me um, in more so ways than not uh, pretty negatively actually. Um, so I was always used to being on the like on the move. Like oh, now I come here, I start to settle down, and then we move to another place, and I settle down over there, and then I move again. So for me, I think I was a really like painfully shy like kid growing up. And then when I got to high school, because that that was when I was actually getting a little bit more settled. It was getting a little bit more normal. So according, to, I, I don't know. Don't quote me on this, but this is what my mom said. Like for me, I didn't really talk a lot as a kid. Uh, I actually was kind of just more like to myself, you know, which is not what I'm like right now anymore. Um, didn't really socialize with a lot of people, but I read a lot of books, and you know, uh, I started playing violin when I was like five, until I was in in college basically. So uh, until I went to college, and so I was more like into the musics and the music and arts and that's basically my influence for why I started making music when I was like 12 or 13. Okay, cool. So if you don't mind sharing, why did you move around so much? So part of it actually a little classified. My dad works for the government or he actually just retired. So he used to work for the government, um, a private sector that contracted with the, I think the Department of Energy and Department of Defense. Um, so he was always involved in like the national labs and like nuclear waste and nuclear waste disposal and like project development. I don't know. He never really talks about it since he isn't really allowed to. So, but because of that, um, we moved around a lot. Okay. I mean, you know what they say, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you. So it's a good thing you don't know. Otherwise you'd be dead. Well, he wouldn't kill me. Some government men would probably kill me. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, you never know, you know, some people really prioritize their job over their family, so, you know, just saying. Um, okay, so, yeah, I mean, 
I actually never moved around growing up, so I, I don't know. But I have friends that actually moved once every few years, and it was it was challenging for them. Uh, they weren't as shy as you were describing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were actually pretty outgoing, but I think that's also a personality trait, right? Everyone right. handles certain situations differently. Right. Um, okay, cool. So then. As a child, though, you said you got into music. Then I guess the one question that we all might have is, how did you end up choosing dentistry? So it, it, if any, I guess logically, it would, I would assume that you would have wanted to, you would have wanted to enter into the arts field, um, like as a musician or something. But here you are as a dentist. So that's a that's actually a multi-part um, answer. Um, my violin teacher said this to me. Um, he, he passed away when I was in college, but he told me this. Albert, you work hard. You're a very good violinist. However, if you made this into your profession, or if you made music as your profession, you're going to be hungry for the rest of your life. And I, during this, actually, um, in, in, I did a, what's it called, a, a internship at a dental office my senior year of high school because, you know, my parents were saying, like, Oh, your cousin became a dentist, and your aunt is a dentist with her husband. Why don't you like give it a try? And I said, you know, I, I will. Like, why not? And the fact that dentistry is, I think I like to say dentistry is fifty percent business and fifty percent like health sciences. Um, in the fifty percent of the health sciences, you have a lot of like hand skills, and you know, making stuff out of basically nothing, and that really fascinated me. So I, when I applied to colleges, uh, I think, uh, so I was accepted into this eight year program uh, at University of Pittsburgh to go directly into dental school after like college. Um, and then I got an offer for Ohio State for the eight year med program. So they said, oh, if you maintain a certain GPA and get a certain score in the MCAT, uh, you'll go to med school. But I think I kind of made the decision like, oh, you know, I really want to go into dentistry over medicine because I don't want to deal with like the concept of the possibility of death or someone's death being related to what I'm doing. I may partially contribute or, you know, if I'm, if I became a surgeon, then I would be fully contributing to a patient's well-being. And I think that concept kind of scared me a little bit. So I said, I'll go to dentistry. And then, so I went to the University of Pittsburgh, graduated, applied to NYU, and NYU was like, yeah, sure, you can come on in. And I dropped the program for um, Pittsburgh and I went to NYU. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, dentistry, I guess, would tap into your artsy, creative side a bit more, mm-hmm. especially, uh, I remember, I remember I was, watching my friends study for the DAT back in the day mm-hmm. and there's like this whole section where you have to rotate pieces in your brain and figure out what goes through what I don't know if you yeah yeah it's called the PAT the perceptual the perceptual yeah. ability test or whatever yeah yeah that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. and then um you have to cut like a bar of soap into something um like teeth. I think that was part yeah. of the exam yeah. oh no it's not it wasn't the exam for us it was that, that that's what we did in school actually oh really mm-hmm. Okay, I think my friends who took it up up in Canada at least, they were all playing around with soap, and trying to carve it into a certain way. I'm like, okay, that's definitely something I cannot get into because yeah. I am not good with my hands. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, that's, that's actually pretty cool. So, your your music teacher actually persuaded you to, or I guess dissuaded you from going into the music field, mm-hmm. and then your parents helped you open your eyes to, or consider the possibility of going into the healthcare practice. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see. So then. So we're going in chronological sequence. So now we're talking about going into dental school at NYU. Mm-hmm. So let's make this a. It's gonna be a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so shoot. It's, it's the topic is about dating. Okay. Um. So what was it like trying to date as a dental student uh, in New York City? Um. Did you have any? Were there any perks of being a dental student in a large city like New York? Or were there more often struggles that you were trying to face, uh, that you were facing, trying to overcome? Okay. Um, I, I, okay. So, to put this simply, I entered dental school when I was 22. Uh, I graduated graduated college when I was 21. Um, I went on dates. I met girls during college, like once or twice, uh, like once before college, and then once during college. Actually, not even it was, uh, during college. I think I only went on dates. I never like actually dated, dated. So the first real relationship I got into was my first semester of second year. I think for either first semester or the end of first semester of uh, first year uh, of second year. Um, so for me, it was kind of just like, oh, this is really not what I imagined. Um, like okay so i started off by going on like what's called sweetings or like um uh, what, what blind, dates. blind dates yeah so, and because of, like friends uh, and they said oh you're up in new york you should meet my friend or you should meet my friend's friend and so i would meet people and my mom told me this before i went up to dental school she said okay you're entering your adult life uh if you want to meet someone who's going to be a potential good partner for you, you have to know what you like and what you don't like in a relationship or in a partner. I said, okay. So I literally went on 50 like blind dates and I like met each like person who was from a different field, like um, medicine, law. Uh, I didn't meet any dental. Um, architecture, pharmacy, fashion designers. Um, even some people who are like those independent, you know, they call themselves models, but you know, they just go to a studio and they do freelancers. freelancers. Yeah, there we go. Um, and like typical salary men, salary women. Um, and I just went and met them, but it didn't really click with me. Um, I ended up meeting someone. Uh, my first uh, girlfriend actually was, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a whole other story, but. Basically, when I was in New York, the first uh, year and a half, uh, when I was going and meeting people, I I used dating apps too. Um, on top of that, to meet more people, and when I did, I would say a lot of the people that I met were mostly they were all mostly Koreans. Um, some Korean Americans, some people who were like student visas or working in America as just under a green card, and. There were some instances where I had people like asking me like, oh, where is this relationship going? And I said, this is not a relationship yet. And they would try to like say like, oh, I'm trying to get married by a certain amount of time. You know, my visa's ending soon. I've had that 
actually happened to me a couple times and overall not the most fun experience um, so for me dating in overall in dental school was kind of a um, a roller coaster of emotions like it's like oh I'm so excited to meet these new people I met some good people but the majority were not that great so I I don't know it, it, it was a very mixed response on my part yeah, I think um, I can I can kind of agree with uh, at least the last part that you said <laughs> in terms of uh, green card seekers, so to speak. So, you know, I, I, I'm not an American. I'm actually Canadian, so it doesn't really apply to me, but no one else knows that, right? right? That's the thing. No one knows that I'm not American. So similarly in New York, when I was trying to date, some people would actually ask, like straight up, like after talking for like three, four days, they just ask me, so... Um, what, what's your what's your status? I'm like, what do you mean? What's my status? Like, well, what's your status to be in the United States? I'm like, I am legally here to work. Mm -hmm. Like, so does that mean you are a citizen or a permanent resident? I'm like, no, I am just a foreign worker here legally to work, <laughs> and then they just disappear. Yeah, right. So these there are people that are seeking actively seeking green cards, and I know a friend who has several friends, uh, female friends, that basically just do that they own that one of the main criteria they, that they look at is not the job of the person not the appearance not their personality it's what's their status mm -hmm. can i continue to live in the states if i get married to this person and you know a lot of people do that um so i kind of know what you mean i obviously i don't have a green card mm -hmm. so no one will actually meet me for a green card and if they did and they found that i didn't then you know they just be they just disappear. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that that kind of uh, gives a good insight into dating as a, a young Korean American. Um, but specifically, while you were a dental student, in terms of time management, so dating costs a lot of money. Right. It costs a lot of time, right? So I almost felt like I had to be particularly crafty or be able to appropriately prioritize certain things like who am I going to meet is this person worth meeting or would I rather do something else and meet my friends or would I just rather commit to my studies um, what was that like for you so for me uh, so I lived on a very fixed budget right I mean I had loans I mean, to be honest the full amount I'm just gonna straight say it straight up I mean student loans are increasing every year when I went to school from basically 2016 to 2020, over four years, I think I accumulated over almost close to 600,000, like 550, and with interest it became like $600,000 over those four years. So any type of money, I did my own like side stuff. Like I saved up money, um, any money that like I got from my daily allowance that I, I like had for myself. I would kind of put that towards that. So I never took a girl out to like a really fancy, fancy dinner place until I started dating. Well, the only person I dated in dental school was my ex, um, my first ex. And yeah, we went to a fancy dinner date and stuff like that. But the thing here, here's a trick. If you're a poor dental student or poor med student in New York City, the best thing there is is called restaurant lunch. Because lunch, you get a three course meal, it's like about 25, it used to be like 25 bucks. I heard it's like 35 now. And then dinners, if you want to spooge a little bit, it's like what? It used to be like 45 bucks. 
So that's what how I used to do. Like, oh, you want to go on a nice fancy date? I'm sorry to be stingy, but I'm gonna take you out. I mean, most girls, most of the time, the girls were fine about it. They're just like, oh, it's fine. I'm understand you're a student, blah blah blah. But yeah, I feel like they're they are they are typically fine about it. Um, but then like speaking of restaurant, I actually never went to Restaurant Week. Um, I've always heard about it, never really made the effort to go, mm-hmm. but in during restaurant week then i guess it's date night for seven nights straight or as many nights as you can to right. utilize that right. i feel like that's probably what you did um so restaurant week that stuff was only with my uh my first ex-girlfriend though every other girlfriend it was or every other um girl i met it was you're gonna know the routine same thing it was either always take 31 or so jazz Oh, so you took you took your dates to the same place that you meet your bros? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I did the same thing. Um, kind of, once or twice, but yeah, okay. But then what about what about the the time? So co- you you were managing oh, your money. So... You're on a strict budget. Yes. So um, basically, time is something more valuable than money, in my opinion. You can always make money, but you can never make exactly. time. Um, so for me, my first year, my schedule was, I mean, school was five days a week, right? Monday through Friday. You have classes, you have exams, and NYU back then, I don't know how it is now, you had to test every week, and it would just constantly keep going. Some schools do what's called a block schedule, so you have like seven or eight exams in like a two-week period of time in one, like, like once a month or like twice a month, or once a month or once every two months, right? NYU was like constantly pumping us exams, like, oh, here's a microbiome exam. Here's an immunology exam. Oh, here's an anatomy exam. Oh, here's a dental anatomy exam. Like every week or so. So for me, like Monday through Friday was devoted solely to studying in school. Um, Friday nights I would go out, I would go on a date, be home by like 12. Um, then I would wake up and study um, on Saturdays, like from basically like 7 a.m. to like 4 p.m., 5 p.m. Then go on another date either with the same person or with a different person if I had another date or another person to meet and then come home at 12 uh, first yeah I went to church first year too so I, I would go for church and start at 9 o'clock I believe so I wake up go to church and then study uh, starting at like 3 o'clock all the way until like 1 o'clock like a Sunday night or Monday morning whatever you want to call it and that's just how I did it for a year and the first couple of months were like okay right because it's you just meet people and say like, getting to know them right but after some point it just became so exhausting because it's the same routine like you meet someone new yeah it gets stagnant and then uh, let me tell you this when i went on dates in in new york city especially i don't know what is it with, with bobby girls they would ask the same five questions and like a no joke like so when they first formally meet you what is your name uh what are you doing right now uh let's see what does your family do were you born in america obviously because my korean is it's okay but you can tell i'm not i wasn't born in korea because i have an accent um and then the fifth one is just like sometimes oh is it true that dentists make blah 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 amount after graduation and for some reason i don't know where they're getting this number from but they somehow kind of accurately predict the estimated amount of dentist makes after graduation and i was just like these are the same exact questions that a girl asked me a week ago or two weeks ago so 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's probably the number that they have scientifically deduced from the number of people that they've probably spoken with. In New York City, there's, you know, there's a plethora of dentists, right. so they've probably heard a range and then they just kind of took the sum of the average or something, right. you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it seems like you're, you pretty much allocated all your weekends to yourself, mm -hmm. like kind of stripped away from studies until Sunday, the night before, and that's when you get back into gear, right. but you gave yourself Friday night and most of Saturday to just, you know, break away, mm -hmm. free yourself from from all of the studying and the, and just kind of de-stress almost, right. right? Okay, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, and that was actually going to be one of the questions. Like, what are some of the common questions that that men or women or, or whoever you're, what you know, it doesn't. I, I'm not going to judge. Mm -hmm. um, your interested people like i was i was wondering what they were going to ask you because i would imagine they're similar to what they ask med students did they ask you the same things too or similar things too um actually no one really asked me about how much money do doctors make like no one. literally never had that conversation mm -hmm. ever in my life well i mean as a medical student graduate uh, speaking right. to uh, women no one's ever asked like so when you graduate how much are you gonna make um surprise surprise not that much because residency is a piece of shit but yeah uh but no one did so that, that's kind of new to me um all right cool um so outside of i guess your your career and your profession going back to just you as a person outside of dentistry and anything related to dentistry or healthcare, what are some of your hobbies and interests okay so i mean now this is our new hobby i mean we're making podcasts together um i guess it's like i said i had mentioned like since i was like 12 or 13 i started producing music um so when i was in new mexico i used to live in new mexico i used to go to a lot of like underground hip-hop clubs like rap battles and stuff like that um cause, just because it was fun like it, it was that environment was fun um but of course it wasn't very like i guess like socially acceptable for this asian kid who to like come into a place with like bangers and everything like that but um i really liked hip-hop music growing up even since i was a kid because um the first cd i ever got was ready to die by notorious big the 1994 like vintage edition CD that was the first CD I ever got so I started producing like hip-hop music uh, my parents were like what the hell are you doing like go study what are you doing you have a test in like a week and I said no I want to do this and then I think around 2010-11 I started getting into EDM because I think this was back in like 2009 when like Darude like Sandstorm was getting really big and I was like oh I, I kind of want to make stuff like this and I think all throughout basically college, even into dental school, I was still producing EDM and then film soundtracks too because I I think after my violin teacher, after he passed away, I really wanted to make like film music, like film scores because he liked that type of music too. Um, because that was kind of my, I never got to say bye to it, 
goodbye to him. So that was my way of kind of connecting with him because I never got to actually see him. Um, and then these days, sometimes I, I don't really produce as much because I'm so busy with my work schedule. So anyways, back to the main thing is that this recently, the past couple of weeks, I think doing this podcast and, and playing this out together has been my only hobby and my only outlet. Okay. I mean, I, I can't say much more than that as well. So, um, but what I can add is that my first ever CD that I ever purchased in my life was uh, the Backstreet Boys CD. Yeah, you know, like Backstreet Back. Oh, right. that's like ninety. That's like ninety nine, right? Ninety eight. Was it ninety nine or eight? Probably. You're probably in middle school. I right? don't remember. But um, that was the very first one I got. I remember I I took it to school. Oh my god, that was the worst one month of my life. After Why did people like make fun of you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I liked it. I was dancing to the songs. I didn't care until like you know until you know you would think in the beginning you don't care, but then like if it happens every single day for an extended period of time, as a young kid, you know you you're not you're not Iron Man. Like those things will kind of penetrate you, and then you're, you're, it's going to affect you in some way. So, yeah, that was that was my first experience. Oh, never! And after that, I've never I never bought a CD ever again in my life. So technically, the first and only CD album that I've ever purchased in my life, the first and last, is Backstreet Boys. Were you, you were part of the Napster generation too, right? I mean, like, yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, Napster was yeah. huge. So I think that was when I was in high school. That was for me, like. I think late elementary or like sixth grade. I think seventh, sixth or seventh grade. I always oh, yeah seventh grade. So like, music torrenting was really big back then, like LimeWire yeah. and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I remember. Um, so I used to live in in a college dorm, and we used to have. So all the college dorm, every single student that lives in the dorm are connected by on a LAN network, mm-hmm. right? So we used to have this, like this program. I think it was called DC Plus Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could literally download movies from other other students that live in I don't know like whatever residence that's connected on the same network in like five seconds, right? Oh. And back in the day, of course, it wasn't like 1080p or 4K or anything like that. It's like 480p, but... 480p probably. Yeah, it was like it was like full HD tops, oh, right? 480, maybe 720 if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I, I remember those days. Okay. Um, cool. So we talked about what it was like as a dental student. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of already got a glimpse of what your life is like now mm-hmm. in our first episode and episode and, and future episodes. We're going to be talking more about that. So we'll just skip that question for later. Sure. Uh, what we're really curious about is what are your plans for the future? Mm-hmm. Like generally, uh, you don't have to give us any specific detailed plans. Just generally, of what uh, what are your what 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 do you want to do in the near future and I guess more distant future as well? Okay. Well, so after I got my license in Georgia and everything, 2021, 2020, whatever, I set up my first like S corp, like a small corporation, you know, with the idea of, like one day I want to make this into an actual company, like have my own practice, you know, like kind of run a business. So I'm still kind of chasing that dream and goal a little bit. Um, my my goal is, you know, digital dentistry, it's still a developing field. A lot of people are starting to get into it. I kind of 
like not really hopped on the bandwagon because I already knew about it from before, but I want to apply it more so. Um, I mean, I'm planning on doing an implant and surgery, like CTE course um, back at school. So I'll be flying back and forth from Atlanta to New York every week, once a week for like three years. That's kind of my goal um, to develop my career and then learn more procedures, you know, work with more individuals, like more scholars, more from academia, learn from the best so that I, one day I can use those skills for my own company in the future. And my goal is maybe three or four years from now, I want to own a small practice, build it up. Hopefully I work with another friend uh, down in Atlanta. So if any of my Atlanta dental school friends are uh, interested in a job offer in three or four years, come down to see me, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, like right now I'm working on this um, protocol for uh, like a novel pro protocol for what's called the digital dentistry, the conversion of conversion and fabrication of a fixed hydroprosthesis. I mean, if you are interested in that, you can look it up. But basically, it's where a patient has like four implants to six implants to eight implants, whatever. Um, placed in their jaw and then an immediate prosthesis is fabricated on the day of so that the patient can walk out with a full smile, can chew, can eat, can smile, everything. Um, and right now there's nothing in literature regarding a, f a fully digital protocol. So I'm trying to come up with that a little bit more. It's my second year, like first, it's been about around 16 or 17 months of working on this protocol. So. I want to keep on doing this and then, you know, hopefully start to make a name for myself one day. Yeah, I mean, those are some solid plans. I can't say that everyone who, uh, following graduation, everyone can think of a plan of what they want to do uh, in the future, especially if you're uh, you're still considered newly graduated. Right, uh, right. A new graduate, right? It's only been like two, two years, years now. Yeah. So, yeah, not everyone would have that. That's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, any any other things that you want to share with the audience? Something that you I feel uh, you feel like I should have asked you, but I didn't. But something that you do want to share to everyone? Um, jeez. Uh, it's my first time really thinking about stuff like this in a while, to be honest. Because fine. Okay. How about this? Uh, words of advice or words of wisdom for those who are interested in pursuing a very similar path mm -hmm. to the one that you took. Okay. Um, the biggest and best advice I ever got that I can give to someone is this. Do not do it for money. Do not chase money. Um, my dad says this all the time. You have to treat money like a, like a woman. You can respect it but don't chase it because if you chase it, then it'll run away. Do you, have you heard, ever heard that before? Um, no, I've never heard of heard of that. I've heard of something similar, but it has to do with bees. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but basically the whole principle behind it is if you go into something just for the sake of money, like, oh, I want to make money, like money, 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 money. Yeah, you can make money, but it's not sustaining. It's it's not sustainable. You're gonna burn out. Um, you're gonna make a lot of professional error mistakes, personal mistakes. So if you're gonna do something, make sure you really love what you're doing, and the money will follow. So that's I guess my dad's yeah. example with like treating. Like when you first go on a date with a girl, if you go and like go and chase a girl, the girl will feel like 
burden like put on and be like oh this guy is like overbearing this guy is like clingy and they have a tendency to kind of run away it kind of same same principle not just girls do guys if girls do that to guys too that's actually very similar too yeah i mean i kind of agree with that uh, i did hear that uh, so when you were saying have i heard that from uh, uh, in the korean words i actually have not mm-hmm. but a lot of people say like you know don't chase the money just do hard work and then the money will follow mm-hmm. yeah. um that's usually what they say but yeah i mean i, I don't know i feel like I, I can understand that because it's not that the money will run away but you just like you said it's not very sustainable so if you're working hard just for the sake of making money and you're not really passionate about what you're doing then it's not going to be enjoyable you're not going to have a good time you're going to be extremely stressed the the feeling of reward other than the monetary reward that you're getting from whatever x amount of money that you're making that's not going to be as fulfilling so yeah i think i don't think the money necessarily run away at least from what I think, I think uh, that you know, you're gonna chase the money, but at some point, you're just gonna get super tired, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna be able to chase it anymore, right? Definitely. But no, I think that that's important. That's important. Um, yeah, good advice. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty. I good, think yeah. that about wraps up our episode about uh, about Albert. Um, yeah, I was thinking it was gonna be a twenty-minute episode, but we have a lot of uh, we have a lot of stuff that we're curious about um, in terms of Albert and his life. So this ter- did turn out to be a little bit longer than that. Um, <clears throat> but if you have any questions that you'd like Albert to address, um, write them down in the comments below. Shoot us a message. I'm sure Albert will be thrilled to give you an answer. I, I highly recommend that you ask questions that are very personal, <laughs> uh, something that you want to know. There's no way he's going to ignore you. And if he does, then reach out to me and I'll ensure that he responds oh, to you. Oh, God. And then I guess we'll do the same thing for John next week. Yeah, yeah. Next week or the coming weeks, um, we do have some guests lined up. So we're going to try to figure out what the best timing is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my, my my life is nowhere near as interesting as Albert's. So, yeah, we'll oh, see. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that sounds fun. So... I guess we'll call the call the day here, I guess. Yep, yep. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Um, that this episode was all about Albert. Now we know a lot more about Albert and we're gonna find out even more. So stay tuned.